Welcome to the Body Wisdom Podcast. I'm your host, Kiara. You can expect new episodes each Wednesday that are educational, inspiring, and honest surrounding various women's health topics, spirituality, and so much more. The Body Wisdom Podcast was brought to life by integrating the physical and emotional body to deepen one's healing journey. Thanks for being here and enjoy the show. Well, hello there. Hi. How is it going? How's the pup? So good. She's very wet. (laughs) Um, I didn't realize there was even sprinklers out there and I let her out and she's a year old. I feel like she was probably just like, hell yeah. (laughs) And she, cause I looked out and I was like, oh my gosh. And she was just running all through it. (laughs) Oh, that's hilarious. I love that. My dogs are terrified of water I bathe them outside with the hose at this house I used to just bring them in the shower with me whenever I wanted to bathe them it was just so much easier but my shower is not big enough for that anymore Mm -hmm. and (laughs) yeah right um but now that we bathe them outside as soon as they see the hose they just like literally run away (laughs) it's so cute I've always wanted them to like get into water sports and you know want to uh just uh take in the water but no actually rocky did just start swimming he i I do want to put on his life vest so that he can feel a little bit more safe really quick story carlos and i went to um uh what's it called sandbridge virginia um it's like near virginia beach and we were on this boat his boat and um we brought rocky in vain and rocky loves to swim now or just be in the water and so does bane but we were kind of like in some deeper waters i want to say it was probably like six feet and um we were like rocky get in get in and we did not think he was going to get in and he got in and he like thought it would be shallow and for at least five seconds we did not see rocky like he just plunged deep into the water and it was the funniest thing i but like my heart stopped i was like am i gonna have to like go in and and get him but he came up and he was like freaking out and we pulled him out thankfully but yeah he needs his life here she is (laughs) for everyone who's watching what's her name her name's stevie 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 (laughs) like stevie Oh, Stevie. I thought you said Stevie. I was like, that is the cutest name. And both are so cute. Stevie. Oh, I love her. Oh, seriously. But oh my gosh. So you were afraid that he like almost was drowning. Uh, yeah. I was like, Carla, yeah. like, oh, for a second. Cause first of all, he's my baby and I, I did mm-hmm. give birth to him, but, um, yeah. Cause Ro- again, Rocky just started to like get into the water and right. I don't know if he knows how to swim like Carlos was like all dogs know how to swim but I was like I don't know if that's exactly true yeah especially because he's I mean he's older it's not like he has like those instincts as much anymore I don't know maybe he does <laughs> yeah I mean obviously maybe. he's still here but yeah <laughs> a scary moment <laughs> anyways um 
I'm on my period. And so for everyone who's watching, I'm wearing my boyfriend's shirt and it is feels so good and comfy. And I'm drinking my ginger tea. And I wanted to share actually the traditional medicinals. If you guys buy the tea packets, I love this so much, Gabby. I don't know if you've seen this one. It says talking to plants is one way of talking directly to spirit. Oh, I love that. I love that so much. So true. I've been trying to talk to my plants um, because I just don't have the best green thumb. And I actually have learned that really comes back down to the state of your nervous system. So that's really interesting. Mm. But um, yeah, so I I have heard like one of our friends um, actually says that she, her mother says like, just talk to the plants, just just speak to them and they'll be fine. They'll be fine. That's all they need. Oh my gosh. I've, yeah, I, I heard like what another reason why it works too. Um, cause of your breath, I think like mm. that's part of it, like when your, um, CO2 is getting on the plants. So I don't know how true that is, but you might have to get close. <laughs> what if your breath is like, thank a I know. And then they're like, <laughs> dude, come on. <laughs> yeah. No stinky breath. Um, we should do a whole episode on our oral health. I mean, I feel like I kind of like share in tidbits on social media, but I think just relating it to the, the gut microbiome would be really cool. Yeah. That was a big, big focus when I started years yeah. ago. I just felt like my mouth was, it was. And then I, when I learned that it's the beginning, I was like, yeah, so much sense and now I'm obsessive about it not in a bad way but I just love a clean mouth <laughs> love so, a clean mouth yeah, yeah it, it's honestly one of my favorite acts of self-care like it can be as simple as that mm-hmm. anyways um yeah today's episode is gonna be a good one I feel like this is something that we've been wanting to talk about for a while and I just think it's it's perfect timing mm-hmm. um yeah. So today we're going to talk about relationships. And I actually did receive a couple questions from my audience and just, you know, on the surrounding this topic. So we will bring those into the equation first. Um, actually not first, we'll save that for like the middle or closer to the end. But I guess why Gabby and I wanted to talk about relationships is because we know how significant of a role they play in our physical health. And personally, that was just my story. I mean, what do they say? Like your romantic relationships are like your biggest mirror. And when I was in an almost 10 year relationship, that's really when I was the sickest. Um, And then as soon as I left that relationship, I kid you not, and this is not everyone's story, but this is my case. Um, once I left that environment, once I left that home and I returned to safety where there was connection and fun and laughter and love, my system, something happened. It was like night and day, not just like my mental health, but like my physical health. I felt like I had lost weight. My digestion was working all of a sudden. I was like, what in the world? And it took years for me to finally listen to my intuition. And I know we have a lot to say about intuition too. So that's something we'll definitely talk about, but I think this is just such an important piece of the puzzle. And we wanted to put this episode out there as a resource for anyone who may be going through something similarly. Um, yeah, relationships are so important. And and just for this episode, we'll be mainly discussing romantic relationships. 
Um, so I guess I first wanted to start off with like, I kind of just touched on it. Um, you know, my 10 year relationship that I was in and this person, you guys may have seen me talk about him in emails or previous podcast episodes or just on stories. Like I'm pretty somewhat open. Obviously there's not everything that can be shared for the respect of him and the relationship that we had and everything that happened. Obviously those intimate details will never be shared, um, except with those who I trust very dearly. Um, but the relationship as a whole, I'm not necessarily sure if I would call it a trauma bond. I'm not a hundred percent sure. And I may never know. Right. But what I did know for sure is that both of us had our own wounds and they were playing out in our romantic relationship. And mind you, I had no idea what trauma was, um, before I entered this relationship and, it was, I don't know. It was just, once you move in with someone, it's just like an entirely different story. I thought I had spent a lot of time with this person before. And then when you move in with someone, all of your wounds are exposed and it's like trigger after trigger after trigger. And this is actually one of the questions that I received. I'm going to pull it up really quickly because I thought it was so good. It says how to move past previous hurts in the relationship and how to stop being triggered by spouse more often than not, despite him trying. This is so Mm. good Um, because that's exactly what was happening. You know, we would get triggered, both of us, even though it was over stuff that was really, really old. And mind you, we did not have the resources that I have today. Um, So I, am handling it because I'm, I'm still getting triggered in my current relationship. Um, and so I'm handling it I'm moving about it very, very differently, but I'm curious, Gabby, before I share how, what are your thoughts on triggers inside of relationships and how, what would be your insight there? Yeah, I think that's a really great question that this person asked because I do think that there is often a difference with the feminine and masculine, and I don't know what type of relationship. Did she say husband? Is this- She said spouse, but okay. she's actually yeah. a client of mine, so she has a husband. Okay, good to know. Um, I think that in the masculine and feminine way that often the feminine remembers and the masculine is like, okay, uh, like wipe my hands, we're moving on type of situation but for them it's more subconscious like they might look at a new trigger and their subconscious might think of the old thing that happened but for the feminine I feel that it's very conscious like they're like this reminds me of when you did this on this day at this time Mm. and at least like that's how I am like I can like keep a receipt (laughs) that happened like and there's no way you're gonna be able to tell me that it didn't and um I think there are memes about that like do you remember what you did on February the 3rd at 12 (laughs) (laughs) there's literally no right answer to that question because yeah so I think um Part of working through that, well, one, just going to come out and say it, that I I believe that couples therapy is beneficial for everyone, regardless of if you have gone through 
a really rough period or not, I think that it's a beautiful way to prepare for those situations. But if that's not accessible for you, that's not maybe someone in the relationship isn't open to it right now, um, that's okay. I just, I think that it's a time to check in with yourself. Like immediately you're triggered. The last thing you want to do is check in with yourself, but check in and ask yourself, is this an old story or is this a new story? And if it's an old story, I don't think it's wrong to say, hey, like, I am this this made me think of this situation that happened and I'm feeling a little bit heightened because of that and so I just want to take some time to come back to myself and figure out if this I really want this to affect the current moment or not Mm -hmm. and for people that have an anxious attachment that is incredibly difficult for people that have an avoidant attachment that's great they want all the space they can get Um, and so someone with an anxious attachment, which if you're not familiar is like, you may have a fear of abandonment. You might fear that if someone like your partner goes and takes a walk, they're leaving you, or if they need to go on a drive, they're leaving you. If, um, you're afraid that if you say one bad thing, then it's over, the relationship's over. And it's the anxious attachment of like, you can't leave me no matter what, um, avoidant is more like, they, they obviously love you, but they could take, like, they would love to take the night and think about something for an anxious attachment. That's the end of the world. It feels like it until you start to heal. Um, and so no matter your attachment style, and I don't, we don't need to get into like attachment styles heavily. I think that could be a whole other podcast, but, um, just taking just a second, five seconds to ask yourself if this is an old story or if it's a new story and if you want it to carry into the new story or not. And if it constantly is coming up, perhaps that's something to look deeper into and see if you really resolved things or not. Yeah. I love that. I think it's also like making sure that you're not holding back. Like if something is really bothering you and you got, you don't feel like it was resolved or it's just a trigger that comes up constantly, you should not have to hide that and pretend like it's not on your mind. Oh um, yeah. Yeah. Communication. Yeah. And, it, and it's hard sometimes to even know how to communicate, which I will say probably has something at least in part to do with your vagal tone, your vagus nerve, your throat chakra. I mean, you can go so many different directions with that, the health of your thyroid. Um, you know, was it safe to speak as a child where you denied, you know, those, those needs, um, underneath everything, every complaint is an unmet need. Mm-hmm. So creating a safe space between you and your partner, actually, we kind of did this at the retreat together. Um, well, not you and I, but our guests, um, they held space for one another and they were like, I want to do this with my partner at home. And I'm like, yes, exactly. Like, imagine if we actually created the space, the safe space for one another to be able to speak our truth and to just allow them to be seen without interrupting, without intervening. And, and, oh, like how, like, I feel like my, just even talking about it, my system melts. Um, and it feels good to be seen and to be heard and not interrupted and just, yeah, just holding the space for them. So that mm-hmm. is a practice. It is a skill to be learned and learned and acquired. And it's not something that we're necessarily taught to do, um, 
or at least practicing throughout our life on a daily basis, but it could benefit so many different types of relationships. Relationships. And um, something that I, so I haven't really like publicly said this, I've been beating around the bush, but I got out of a long-term relationship in April um, officially, um, which is like the deepest heartbreak of my life, but we were in couples therapy and something our couples therapist mentioned is that when two people are not seeing eye to eye, like one person seeing a six and one person seeing a nine and the other person is never going to see the other number. It's it's just not going to happen. So in certain situations, hopefully not every situation you're in that scenario, but in certain situations. And so what is important is making sure that you're hearing what that other person is seeing. Otherwise you never hear what they're seeing and you can't empathize you can't come to a conclusion if you don't know what they're seeing and so that's what the holding space does too it's like allows you to take yourself out of it for just a minute and see what they're seeing mm-hmm. um, or at least try <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and if it's challenging getting curious about that yeah mm, why can't I see why do I not want to see why um and not beating yourself up about it just getting curious about it. And this is actually something that Carlos and I do now. Um, we're doing this for the past like year, I want to say our monthly check-ins, um, with our relationship and just seeing how we're feeling about the trajectory of the relationship. Um, if there's anything that we're not liking, what we are loving. And yesterday we came away with an action that we'd like to move forward with and that's embodying curiosity and compassion. And that's just something that I do with my work and, um, I don't do it in my relationship Mm -hmm. and that is huge. And so for both of us to be able to say that is just, I mean, if obviously it's a practice and again, a skill, um, but I was explaining to him that, you know, when we are in a heated discussion and argument and my protectors out or his protectors out, it's going to make it really challenging to embody curiosity and compassion. And each of us has those qualities. It's related to the self with a capital S we each have the self within us, but, um, there are layers and layers. Um, and the protectors actually kind of inhibit you from reaching the self. And so first, I mean, this is like, uh, as you know, cause you work with internal, internal family systems too, within your own therapy. Yeah. Um, it is a very, I don't want to say a very long process, but it is, it does take time and the right practices in place to be able to, to have those protectors start to trust you so that you can then embody the self without any effort. And so then it's easy and easier to become more curious and compassionate towards your partner, instead of saying, you know, the blame and the hate game, you know, you did this, you did that. Why don't you do this? Um, and again, it makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense that you are reacting that way. You are behaving that way. Um, and also I would say it comes back down to the state of your nervous system too. getting curious about that, the fight, flight, freeze response. If you're constantly like fighting with your partner, I think that was kind of like a part of this question too. Um, oh, well kind of not really, but she's triggered. She's triggered by him. So we can assume there's some sort of like fight or flight response, or maybe there's a completely shutting down. Um, and, and getting curious about like what state of your nervous system that you're in, because once you are kind of like bringing back to, um, to what you said earlier, Gabby, about being conscious 
when you are aware of the state of your nervous system that you're in, that just brings so much hope to the picture. I feel like when you understand, oh, I'm in flight and that makes so much sense that I'm fleeing the situation. When my partner does this, I just want to run away. I just don't want to talk about it. Da, 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 you know, all of that, that makes perfect sense. And going back to what Gabby said, pausing, it's all in the pause guys. It's all in the pause, which I think for me, it, it's easy to engage the pause with my breath um, and feeling my feet on the ground mm-hmm. as simple as that, but, you know, playing with your system and, and getting curious about what works for you so that you can kind of just start automatically reverting to a pause instead of reacting right away so that we may respond appropriately, but also the way you're reacting is an appropriate response for the state of your nervous system that you're in. So again, I just don't want anyone to feel bad about behaving the way they do and being triggered because again, it makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense. And, um, these, the parts of you that get frustrated and angry and want to fight, those are, that is anger and anger is always covering up another emotion. Yeah. Um, And the other day I had therapy, personal therapy, and I, I'm not someone that experiences anger a lot. Um, but something triggered me in the past couple of weeks that I, um, was feeling very angry and it was like, my grief cycle felt like it was starting over and I was frustrated at that. It was just like a cycle. And I said to my therapist who we're having on, and I'm so excited, but I said to her, I just think this is anger. There's nothing it's covering up. It's definitely not covering anything up. I think I'm angry and I think I deserve to be angry and like all of this stuff. And so we did an IFS session, which we'll explain to you in that next episode. Um, But it's basically parts work. And 1000% it was covering up the sadness that I had. And it got revealed to me through that session. Otherwise I would have just ran with the anger. I was so sure of it. Mm -hmm. Um, And the other thing, side note that I want to say as well, is that for this person and anyone who might be experiencing this, if you've ever gone through anything like pretty, um, anything like an infidelity or something that really broke your trust, and that is something that keeps coming up for you, there is a moment where, yes, like, is this an old story or a new story? But there's also a moment of like, when do I trust my intuition that this might actually be true. Um, and so discerning between that is really difficult for some people. And, um, I just want to put that as a disclaimer because I never want someone to think that, oh, that's an old story. I need to move on for it. If it continues to come up for you, I do think it's something to explore, um, making sure you have the information that you need and you deserve. Absolutely. I think your intuition, this is kind of how I explain it to people. And I've had multiple discussions with clients, about like, if it's deciding to work with me or if they are making a a big decision in their life, like Kiara, I don't know if this is like, how do I tell if this is fear or intuition? And you can kind of apply this to, if it is something involving your relationship, should I leave? Should I stay? I don't know. Like, that's kind of like what I was battling. And I just, I told myself this, these are the thoughts that are what were ruminating in my head. Like, no, I'm supposed to be with this person. Like, no matter what, no matter what. And I think that was the story that was indoctrinated in me when I was a child, like no matter what you marry this person and like you find your person, that's it. You just know, and you're supposed to make it work no matter what, no matter what. Mm. And that 
And of course, like for those who don't know, my parents are now divorced and that just came as one of the biggest shocks to my nervous system because my parents were the only one in, um, at least on my, my mom's side, um, to, to survive because they were, um, not, not like, uh, not like stay alive, but survive their relationship because every single one of my other aunts and uncles, um, had been separated or divorced. And I was like, Oh, my mom and dad, like, they're just like amazing. And it, I'm so happy that they're still together. And so of course they get divorced and it kind of just revealed the story with my mom as well. Like it's, it doesn't always have to be no matter what, you know, you can say no, you can say no more. And, um, so the way I describe this intuition piece, and I'd love to hear what your thoughts are too, is this quiet and clear inner knowing and fear on the other hand is kind of this, like, like it doesn't feel solid. It doesn't feel sturdy. It's like the, the, I don't even know. It, it's, it's like fast. And it reminds me of trauma because trauma moves fast, but underneath all of your layers lies the self. And so when you think of self, like she's so embodied and she just knows and she is calm and she's connected. And so for me, it's this clear, quiet, inner knowing that is just solid and sturdy. So that's how I would describe it. Yeah. I, I love that for like, uh, especially in nervous system work, you know, when you like toggle between what is uncomfortable, what's comfortable, what's uncomfortable, what's comfortable. And you're able to kind of like heal in those moments. Um, for me, I would say I really struggled with that intuition versus fear um, for a long time because I felt like I've, yeah. So for me, this might be a little different, but my intuition is sometimes coupled with fear mm -hmm. because what I'm intuitively knowing, I'm also fearful of. So for me, it felt really hard to be able to understand the difference because I'm like, well, I am fearful that I'm really scared that this is true. But also I feel and I know it like there's a deep knowing that it's true. And so the way that I decipher it is there they have to be together. So my intuition could be paired with fear, but the intuition is still there. And the deep knowing, I mean, is still there versus I know that it's just fear when I only have the fear response and I'm not quite sure if the deep knowing is there. Mm -hmm. And that's how I decipher it. Cause yeah, a lot of the things I intuitively am thinking about are also fears. Mm -hmm. um, yes. Yeah. That makes so much sense. I love that. And for me, I think when I was in the midst of all of it, I, my nervous system was also very, very, very dysregulated again, like super symptomatic and just in so many ways, physically and emotionally. And I want to say I was probably very stuck in like this functional freeze response. And, um, that also blocked my intuition. So getting curious about that, if you feel like you really can't tap into your intuition, um, because it's there yeah. underneath all of it. Um, but I also wanted to add, as far as the triggers go, 
there are two ways to regulate yourself. So yes, it can be self-regulation, but as you said, Gabby, if you have an anxious attachment style, which hello, hello, I do, um, right. I did. (laughs) And, um, it, was very hard to self-regulate. So one of the ways um, that I began this nervous system work was to co-regulate um, with someone. So there's self-regulation and co-regulation. There's the only two ways you can reg- regulate. Co-regulation gives you a taste of what ventral vagal tastes like. Um, it gives you a taste of what building capacity feels like. And so when you're able to co-regulate and notice everything, like bring awareness to your system and what's happening on the inside as you are co-regulating with uh, a good friend, with your dog, um, with a therapist, noticing what's happening inside of your system that tells you, oh, my system feels like it's a ventral bagel. It's calm. It's connected. It feels good. It feels at ease. I feel joy, love, whatever. Um, then bringing that to your practice of self-regulation, because sometimes people will say, oh, I just, I need to go meditate. And sometimes this is not always the case, but what I've learned through this nervous system work is that sometimes this can be bypassing what's really there. And so the last thing we want to do is bypass, um, or sometimes meditation can bring up so much anxiety and it's not self-regulating at all. And I think when you have more capacity on board through co-regulation, then you may go self-regulate through a walk, reading a book, journaling, or just sitting down with nothing in stillness, which is challenging if I'm correct for a lot of people um, to do, to just sit there and be and do nothing, not like just hopping on your phone. When you go on your phone, obviously, I think we know this by now, it's, it's a form of numbing, but you are also still activated. The whole point of nervous system work, the whole point of regulation is to discharge the activation. So when you're triggered and you just automatically go like, and and you're, you're feeling angry, which is totally okay. But when you go and just go fold the laundry or turn on a podcast, or I I don't know what else people go go do when they're activated and like, don't want to confront or or face um, what's really there the further you're perpetuating this dysregulation cycle, which is not something I'm trying to make you feel bad about. I'm just bringing awareness to the situation so that you may stretch your nervous system and kind of bring yourself to the edges of your comfort zone, right? Because we don't want to jump off of the cliff. We don't want to completely exit our comfort zone. Growth happens right on the edges and just taking one step and one step and one step out, but also growth does not happen always in your comfort zone. I do want to say like, that's completely different than safety. Um, because what is your comfort zone is not entirely safety. It feels like it, but it's just familiar. So yeah, I just wanted to add that tidbit in there about self-regulation and co-regulation. Um, because if you keep getting triggered, um, and that's kind of like more so like if you, there's just the one-off instance, you're getting triggered by something and then you're able to move past it through self-regulation or co-regulation. But if this is something that you are constantly getting triggered by again and again, and again, no matter how much you cognitively process the trigger, this is body-based work. Your nervous system remembers. So this is why I'm such a big fan of somatic healing. Um, it's, it's big. And then also integrating parts work too, because that's how you can kind of begin the unblending process 
guaranteed there are probably parts of you that are getting triggered. And there's also the self that can get triggered too. I don't want to dismiss that there are just true like activations that are very real and valid and they get to be here. Not that the ones that your parts are experiencing don't get to be here, but it's, it's hard to explain. And I hope that kind of like just touched on it, but yeah. Yeah, for sure. And maybe that looks like just starting, like when you feel the more, the longer you're with a partner, the more you can kind of Mm -hmm. sense coming. Mm -hmm. And so maybe when you're feeling that you're both starting to get a little elevated, you just start taking belly breaths and the person doesn't even know you have to do that. You're doing this, or maybe it's helpful. They know you're doing this and maybe they'll join in, but just taking belly breaths and just really in the conversation, starting to regulate. And then if it's starting to get to a point, total dysregulation, then removing your, both of you. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Hey, I think we need to pause right now and I'm just going to go process this on my own or call a friend, or I do feel like there's when, when you do go to call a friend, there's a difference between actually co-regulating versus like just dumping. Mm -hmm. I think, um, from what I've learned through the years, asking for not necessarily in every relationship, every relationship is different, but for me asking if someone has capacity to, to respond to something right now, because obviously you want to co-regulate with them. If they don't have capacity, how are you going to be able to co-regulate with them? Um, so yeah. Yeah. And, and with the attachments, like when you do leave a situation, knowing each person's attachment is helpful because in an anxious attachment, like for me, I'll just say, it's really helpful if someone was to say, my boyfriend, my husband was to say, I need to take a break. Um, What I need to hear is that I'm not leaving you right now. I just need to take a break and we're, we can come back to this conversation in an hour in two hours, maybe it's tomorrow, but I am committing that we're coming back to this conversation. I just need a break right now. That is so soothing to my nervous system. And I can just take a deep breath. If somebody says that to me versus I'm going on a drive, I'm like, Whoa, (laughs) are you leaving? Are you ever coming back? Like, yeah, it's a really different story. Mm -hmm. And someone who's avoidant needs the anxious person to be able to say, thank you for telling me that. Um, and I'm looking forward to like coming back to the conversation. End of story. Say, I love you. If you say that and then move on. (laughs) (laughs) I love that so much. Just saying like, Hey, I'm not leaving you. Oh my God. I love those words so much. I'm not leaving you. And this, obviously we're not getting into attachment styles today, but I will say that I did a podcast episode with Kimber. Gabby wasn't on with us, but, um, we do talk about attachment styles. It's a bit on there, but it really does come back to, yeah, like the regulation that you see received as a baby. Mm -hmm. Um, And also the vagal tone of your mother, I think is, no, your vagal tone as a baby is received from mother's nervous system, I think in the third trimester. So this is way deeper than just you. And so that's why we keep saying it makes perfect sense. This is not your fault. And it's also not your mom's fault. We can just, we can do the healing together. Um, yeah. So it comes back to the, the regulation you received as a baby as well. And I think it was explained to me this way. You have an anxious attachment style. If you immediately cry 
or like have a hard time when mother leaves the room when you were a baby. And that was me a hundred percent. But also I don't want to dismiss it and say like, I mean, that's a baby, right? Like babies Mm -hmm. need mother's comfort and soothing, but there is, there's just a difference with anxious attachment style. And then avoidant is like, they're completely unaware that mom has left the room and it's, it's fine. No big deal. But then, um, secure attachment, which I think we're all trying to achieve and get to is when you see mom leave the room and return to your normal activity and maybe even smile as mom leaves the room and knowing that she's going to come back. Knowing she's going to come back. That's the key is that's what gave, there was a study that gave babies that showed babies that ended up, I think being secure. And it was because their mom always did come back. She always gave her word. The parent always gave their word that they would come back. And that's what makes you secure. And so avoidant, you might've learned that even if I cry, I'm not going to get anything. I'm not going to get, so why would I spend my energy? It's like digestion. If you don't eat meat, your body's not going to spend energy for the enzymes. So why would your body as a baby spend energy crying if it never gets you what you need and then you might grow up and think that crying is useless so it's it's deep but it also like ties into your nervous system and that's how your nervous system was regulated and how it gets dysregulated and so um yeah yeah. and I think just knowing it getting I mean being with a partner it's getting to know all of their parts and and that's a journey Um, but I think just knowing it brings so much, um, I don't want to say hope, but it just, it helps you understand each other a little bit better. Mm -hmm. Um, for me, my partner at the time was super avoidant. And so it made so much sense that I was, uh, you know, anxious. He was avoidant just made for this, this perfect, like, um, merry-go-round or hamster wheel and just like the, the nonstop. And yeah, it was, it was not good for either of our nervous systems. Yeah. And when you're in a relationship with someone like that, once they do, like if you get to a point where they do start to open up and it changes like that, me personally, I remember in a a session, it was like towards, we were towards the end of our relationship, but, and I'm not going to share deep things as well, just for the respect, but, um, there was something shared and it wasn't something I necessarily wanted to hear, but there was something shared that I was just able to take a deep breath because I had so much, I felt so thankful that it was being shared finally. Um, so when you can just be honest and transparent from the start, if you, if you can, (laughs) that gives the other person so much ease in knowing that, oh, thank you for sharing that even though I don't want to hear that, thank you for sharing that because that's, what's going to help us move Mm. through. Um, Honesty is the best policy, baby. (laughs) Um, Which brings me to my next question that I received on social media, just kind of like starting from the get how and what questions to ask if new to dating someone in regard to how they deal with past trauma. (laughs) This is something I've never had the opportunity to ask someone. Um, Actually, no, I guess I kind of did, but, um, yeah, I'm curious, Gabby, if you were, well, I mean, you are single now, but you're not dating, but if you were to, you are, no, (laughs) (laughs) like, Like, um, 
yeah, like now that you, you are, you know, embodied and you have, this is your work. This is your life. This means a lot to you. If you were to meet someone, how would you kind of go about addressing this topic? Um, that is obviously not important for just your relationship, but the, you know, your children and so on and so forth. Like just, it means so much. Yeah, I would first, of course, like feel it out and maybe not do this on the first time that I'm meeting someone, or maybe I do, depending on how quickly we connect. Um, but <clears throat> I would really start to observe, and I don't want it to seem like I'm detective, but really what I learned is observe how they respond to questions like this in the first place. Um like, for example, if you ask someone something like, hey, how was your upbringing? Like, what was your what was your relationship with your parents or your caregivers? Like, what was that like? And going further, when you were upset, like, how did they comfort you? And if that is something that the person is like, absolutely not, I'm not <laughs> about that why would you ask me that and they get super defensive and you can tell that it's not like some people that's just not comfortable of course and they'll work through it to try to get you an answer that um like is good for the appropriate how appropriate it is in your relationship status um but I think that that is a key to figuring out oh like this person might not be interested in going deep or they might not be um available for that right now and then you have to ask yourself am I available to be with somebody that is not wanting to learn about each other in this way mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and really listen to that from the beginning and I want to make sure I'm making this clear that that's it's not comfortable for everyone so for some people you can tell oh that that was a weird question, but I'm interested in breaking those walls versus, oh, I, can we change the subject mm -hmm. type of thing? Like, mm -hmm. I'm not even going to tell you I'm uncomfortable either. <laughs> <laughs> so like, how well can that person articulate even like receiving a hard question? Mm. I would say is number one. Body language. Yeah. Picking up on that. But also like, what if it is through the phone? Well, you can still tell you, you can, can, tell, you, can still, yeah. you get the senses. Um, yeah. and, and I feel like if, if it's through the phone, I don't know, often like FaceTime and you can totally tell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I was mean, in a long distance relationship and I often before, like we were living together at the end, but, um, we were in a long distance for the first couple of years. And whenever I wanted to ask a hard question, I would, I refused to do it over the phone. I would always wait till FaceTime because I wanted to see the body language. And again, I'm not investigating. I just, that's normal human inter interaction is to be able to see body language. So Oh yeah. No. Yeah. I would do the same. Um, I love that so much. And I also love, um, one of the things that I did before I met my now, um, Bo, my lover, my boyfriend, um, I wrote down a list of things that I needed to have in a partner and, that just kind of like imprints in your body and your system. And when you start to meet this person, you kind of not like it's checking off items off a list, but you just start to kind of bring that to your awareness and say, Oh, okay. Like I'm noticing that they have this and that's, that's awesome. Like, Ooh. And 
will that person have every single checklist item? I don't, I don't, I don't know. Like, I can't say yes or no. Um, maybe well, there are people to write something down that you wish you wrote down. There, there, there was. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> and I think that maybe there are some people out in our audience that are like, oh my God, my, my husband, like, I think I was talking to someone once I was like, of course there's no like perfect man. And she was like, oh yeah. no, my husband is my husband is. And I was like, that's amazing. And then there are people on the other end of the spectrum. They're like, oh no, like he really didn't check off much off my list, but God, I love him. You know, like it's, it's going to vary for each person, but there are obviously non-negotiables, um, that you're allowed to have. And this kind of comes along with boundaries. So diffuse boundaries are really loose boundaries. And you're kind of getting your needs on that unmet, or there are rigid boundaries and like, nope, completely closed. This person has to have this, 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 and that. But, and also it's like how you feel too, not just like, does this person have this, this, and this, and like, how do I feel? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's, um, the boundaries, boundaries are super loving. Um, and I think there's kind of like the the confusion when you hear the word boundary, it's kind of like, it's, they're not the same as walls. And so boundaries can be flexible. And so when you are feeling something and you notice your system feeling something that feels like love or whatever it is, when you're with this person, noticing that and seeing how, you know, if, if, there are other areas that they feel really good in. And maybe this one is not so much met, but obviously just weighing them out for you, because I think it's going to, yeah. Which one weighs more? Does this mean a lot more to you? Or does this mean a lot more to you? And they don't have this. Um, but for me, the feeling is so much more important than the logical mind. Um, but going back to her question, because I wanted to circle back to that, Um, I think once you have a really good idea of what you're looking for, like really getting crystal crystal clear about that, um, then when you're starting to quote unquote vet people say this is online or a friend sets you up with someone in person, blind dating, um, I, I kind of would do similar as to what Gabby said, like not kind of feeling out the conversation. Maybe it is something that you guys just, just hit it off and you're like, just sharing all about your life and this is what you're into and da, 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 da. And maybe they connect with that too. Um, but if you're starting to notice that there is like some, some quiet or like, Hey, can we change the topic on this? Or like, "Mm, that just feels weird. Or that's such a strange question to ask on, on like a first date or whatever. Um, then, you know, that's your, that's your cue. But I also know people who are like not afraid to ask on the first date, or maybe it is online dating and you are, you have your, like your list of questions. Like if this person doesn't have these four non-negotiables, then we're not even talking even for Like, thank you for the conversation. Let's move it along (laughs) because this is someone that I really, this is what I need to have. Um, because in the past you have not had that and it has not worked out. So based off previous evidence, you need to have this. And that makes sense too. And you're allowed to have that. So it really just all depends, but I, I love the the language that you used in, in your questioning, Gabby. I would probably do the same. Yeah. And just like getting, there's a difference between someone being totally closed off and someone just being a little uncomfortable and being uncomfortable is totally normal and okay. And there might be a time that you're uncomfortable with something they ask you and that's normal and not an emotion that anyone should have to hide. It's really on 
is it a closed door or is the door like a little bit cracked? Like, can you see that maybe eventually you guys will be comfortable enough to get in there? Or is it something that you can see down the line that this is going to be a pattern that this person is just not going to open up to you? And are you okay with that? And this goes back to the intuition piece too. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So I really think, and one of the things I wish I had done, not that I regret it, um, but let's say if, if I were single, I would take some time, a lot of time to myself, to surround myself with sisters, to learn co-regulation, to learn self-regulation so that I am as much as I can be, not that I'm going to be perfect entering a relationship. So many people have this misconception that we need to be healed in order to like heal all our traumas before we enter the next relationship. That's not true. That's not true. I, before I met my now partner, like there, there's still so much there that I'm working through. I am not perfect. He is not perfect, but gosh, he is just so perfect for me and, and just co-regulating with me. Like the way he attunes to me is everything that I've ever needed. And that means so much to me. So you don't have to be this perfectly healed version of yourself. But I think having a foundation, just like you're doing right now, Gabby, like traveling the world and getting to know yourself and getting to know different people, having those experiences and then walking into whatever path you're walking into next, um, I think allows for so much more capacity and this, this inner knowing to be there. Yeah. And I think sometimes you like, it takes time to even feel like that could be possible. And Mm -hmm. at this point, I'm kind of like going back and forth where I'm starting to see that it could be possible to be with somebody else. But then there's moments where I'm like, Ooh, I, I, there, that is something that I want to work through before I am in a relationship. And, and you, you are the only one that will know when you feel ready. Um, and you're not going to enter the next relationship healed because are we ever healed? Yeah. So there's always things that we're going to be working on. And I don't think that's unfortunate. I think it's beautiful that we're like unpeeling the layers and it doesn't have to be so painful all the time. It just is layers that we're unrolling. And um, yeah, I love that. And I, and there's no, like, there are people that I know that do get into relationships pretty quickly after a relationship ends, but maybe they left that past relationship a long time ago. Mm. And so we can't judge when somebody does that because Mm. maybe they've been out of that relationship for a year. They just were like technically in it, Mm. um, versus like someone like me, like I was very much in my relationship until the end. And so for me to jump into another relationship, like wouldn't make sense for my body. But, um, another thing I wanted to mention on the, when you're starting to date somebody is being curious. This is like, I'm side noting or backtracking really quick and then we can move on, but is notice if the person, um, is agreeable to everything you say too. I think there's Mm -hmm. a balance because if they're agreeable to every single thing that you say, is that really their truth or are they people pleasing you? Mm-hmm. And are they trying to say, oh yeah, I totally understand. Like, are you leading all of these conversations to the point that they're just like, oh yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Or are they able to say, interesting that you had that experience. I had this experience. Are they sharing for their own experience as well? Yeah. That's yeah. a big one that I'll be looking for <laughs> my future husband. <laughs> I love that so much. Someone who can just speak their truth no matter what and feeling safe to do so and secure attachment. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Actually, going back to what we were just talking about, about um, entering a new relationship completely healed. One of the last questions I received was, is it wise to enter a relationship when still healing sexual trauma? Mm. So kind of expanding on this too, because yeah, I mean, yeah, Let, let's talk about it because it, it's not just like, sexual trauma. I feel like is this whole other category within the trauma sphere because trauma can mean so many things, but um, it's really not in the event, but it's how it kind of, how your system was left after the event occurred. Um, and so I think sexual healing, it depends on like how, how activated your system gets, like how your system feels. Is it completely shut off to touch? Um, and, and is there like zero window of tolerance? Is there zero capacity there? Or is there some capacity here? And like, do you have capacity for yourself? Do you have capacity for the world around you and some people around you? Like, but I know sometimes with sexual trauma, it's just completely shut down and closed off. I think that's a really, really great point that you mentioned on yourself as well. Like after sexual trauma, it can feel uncomfortable to even touch your own body. And I don't mean like, um, like self-pleasure. I mean, that is part of it too, but just touching your body can feel activating. And so, yeah, is there activation when you're touching your own body? And maybe that means that your partner wouldn't be able to hug you or like even before sex, like, are they able to hug you? Are they able to hold your hand? Are they able to kind of like come up behind you and put their hand on your back? Like, and that doesn't mean you're not ready for a relationship. It just means, are you ready to have that conversation with the person that you're going to be dating and how receptive are they to Mm -hmm. where you're at right now and how comfortable are they entering a relationship? Yeah where they might need to tread pretty lightly, depending on um, how much trauma is still being activated in your system. And just being so open with that and really like in putting yourself into a perfect scenario of if I am with someone that is okay with going slow, am I still okay with that? Like, is that something that I want? Um, And maybe it's a trial and error thing. Maybe you do start to date and you're really open with how you're feeling. They're okay with it, but you're like, wow, I'm really not ready to do this and that's okay. And so I think without more information, it's a little hard to know like how to guide you, but um, I would love to do a part two. Maybe this person can write a little more information. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I mean, we could probably go on and on about relationships. Like, yeah. I wow. Love I love about this. this. <laughs> we didn't even go into like the feminine and masculine, but we are having a special guest on to kind of go deeper into that realm as well. Yeah. But I did want to add really quickly going to what you said about the partner. Um, do they have capacity for it? Are they supportive to your healing? Are they going to yeah help you co-regulate? your nervous system. And therefore it is a beautiful relationship. Do they have capacity to go slow? Um, so I, I really think it's something that you have to, again, kind of just know. And I think maybe those are some of the things you put on, on your list and just feeling it out when you're there. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that sounds so, so basic and cliche, but like, God, 
It's so true. (laughs) It's so true. And it's so true on if they're like withholding that boundary for you, or if they say things and do things that you're like, dude, did you think that would make me feel good right now? Like if they're just totally unaware, then, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was a beautiful episode, guys. Um, We appreciate all the questions that you sent in and we really hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, Be sure to check the show notes for any freebies that we may have for you. Um, We are working on getting the the website um, published. I think we have just like one more thing to do. So stay Mm -hmm. tuned and we'll be able to just link that and you'll be able to grab all the resources and free resources on the, the the website so stay tuned for that and we will see you guys next week until next time thank you all thanks for your questions bye i hope you all enjoyed today's episode if the episode resonated with you feel free to share it with a friend and give the podcast a five-star review and rating as this allows us to grow and continue having incredible guests on the show thank you so much for your support until next time